and welcome to the GMC podcast, the place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and other highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. This podcast brings you the sermon series, Matthew, the teachings of Jesus Christ, the King. There are five teaching blocks in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, who was one of Jesus' disciples. He'd previously been a tax collector, but was also a witness to the ministry and life of Jesus. In this first part of the series, we will take a look at the Sermon on the Mount. This is a keynote block of teaching in which Jesus introduces his listeners and you and I today to a new age that Jesus himself was heralding. In Matthew's writing, he, Matthew, draws the reader and the listener to see the evidence for themselves of the expected king, the Messiah who is Jesus, and asks you to understand both his identity and his authority as king. Jesus' ministry had already excited people in his time. He had drawn crowds and his teaching on the mount explains what it means to live under his kingly rule. So thank you for joining us on this podcast. And over a nine-week period, we will encourage you to respond to God's word and challenge of Jesus Christ as we look at the Sermon on the Mount. But now before we hear the word of God, we will lead you in a time of prayer. Good morning. Let's come to our Father now in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, open our eyes, open our ears and open our mouths that we might worship you honestly. Lift our thoughts above the pressures of everyday lives that we might confess our hidden sorrows, our stolen joys and our hidden sins, which you can clearly see anyway. Help us to see you in all your glory and in doing so see the image of who we are meant to be. Open the windows of our hearts to that the light of your glory transform our vision of service and even the smallest of actions that will make life better for one another. Teach us how to love you and in doing so discover we are loving our neighbour. Gracious God, in rare moments of insight we try to grasp the beauty and the expansive nature of your love. No words can describe it, no melody contain it and no human being explain it. We are surrounded by the emblems of your love and grace, the colours in the sky, in the chaos of the storm, in the song of the birds, you tell us all will be well. In moments of great fear we are transfixed, gazing we are troubled, torn and broken, and we ask now for your forgiveness. Here Lord, you don't try to fix us, you mend us, your outstretched arms are have enfolded us in a love that we have never known. Your gaze has healed our troubled soul, your love the most incredible of all. Let your love now live in and through us as we pray together the prayer Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Following the time of prayer, I hope your heart is prepared to receive from God's word that you are open to be reached wherever you are today. If anything you hear from our preacher today, from the word of God and the sermon challenges you, may be raising questions, then please feel free to contact us. If you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith, or indeed answer questions of faith, we'd love to help you get to know the Lord and go deeper with him. Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the kingdom. If so, then please get in touch through our contact us page of our website, gillespiechurch.org, or via our Facebook page. Whatever your needs, contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Now, over to our preacher. comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 13 to 29. Hear the word of God. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Thanks be to God for the reading of his holy word. To his name be praise and glory. At the beginning of this series on the Sermon on the Mount, On seeing the crowds, Jesus had gone up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. 
That's how this first block of teaching that we're doing or have been doing in Matthew's gospel starts. Jesus teaching his disciples. Clearly, there are crowds around Jesus, but Jesus is concentrating on teaching his closest followers. Yet, here at the end of the sermon, we hear the words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Why, if Jesus was teaching this smaller group, his close disciples, were there a large number of people hanging around the crowds wanting to hear what this rabbi teacher had to say? Why was Jesus so attractive to the folk who heard him? We hear it in the very last verse I read. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus' authority, in other words, shines through. Authority. His manner, his words, his wisdom, his ways and actions are just so attractive to those who see him, who hear him. Those, and by that I mean those who are open of heart and mind, really want to listen, really want to understand Jesus. They become amazed, transfixed, transformed, by his words. And so before I unpack just a little this closing section of the Sermon on the Mount, I want to remind you of Jesus' authority and quite why that is so important in the gospel. As I've said, he went to a mountainside, a high place. Mountains, high places in the Scriptures, Old and New Testament, are important. It was on Mount Sinai that Moses received the law, the commandments from Yahweh, the Lord his God. And now here, on a mountainside overlooking Lake Galilee, Jesus gives this extended block of teaching, a sermon, if you like. The contents which we've gone over the past eight weeks and we're finishing up today. And it's why, for the first time in five years, yeah, two weeks' time, I will have been here five years, that I have come up into the pulpit. You're probably looking at me going, what is going on? What is Michael doing? It's not because I've got some Messiah complex, trust me. But I'm here to make an illustration. On the screen is a painting, a painting by Lucas Cranach a German, a contemporary of Martin Luther. And that painting is on an altar screen in the Stadtkirk, the town church or city church in Wittenberg. And what you see there on, yes, on your right, (laughs) is Martin Luther in a pulpit. And if you look closely on it, his left hand is on the Bible. It's on the Word of God. And he's pointing. He's pointing to those on the left. But before we come away from Martin Luther, notice how small, how little of the picture he takes up. The preacher is not the important one. But where he rests his hand, where he gets his authority, is from the Word of God. And he's pointing. He's pointing to those on the far left, the congregation, the community. He is engaging them. 
but engaging them with what? There, dead center, is Jesus Christ on the cross. Of course, as, as good Protestants, we know we wear crosses. Here, I've got one. I don't have Jesus on here because Jesus is not nailed to the cross. He was buried, rose, and is ascended with the Father. But that makes the point that all preaching goes through Jesus, carries Jesus' authority, or should do, if the minister is doing their work. That picture tells so much. And so, this morning I want you to understand that the Word of God comes from on high. That's why I'm up here. Not for my benefit, but as an illustration. So today, as we come to the end of this amazing body of work, the Sermon on the Mount, I want to conclude well. Not that I don't strive to do that every week that I preach and bring God's Word, but I, I really want you to understand the authority with which Jesus taught, the, the authority that Word still has today. So Jesus has already delivered illustrations of the law and understanding the prophets. He's delivered the sermon of all sermons, squarely placing himself in the place of Moses. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm a new guy in town. What has gone before needs to be reheard in a different way. And that different way will rock your lives, it will change your life, and it should, like the crowds there, amaze you. And Matthew, in his gospel, sets out who this guy is, this Jesus guy, that he is the new Moses. I mentioned right at, uh, when I introduced this series that, that the law comes to Moses and the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, are the law of Moses. That's how uh, the Israelites, the Jewish people, see the law and they are foundational. They are foundational to the Jewish faith. They were foundational to Jesus, to his disciples, to his hearers. But then in Matthew's gospel, we find them revealed in a new way, a new foundation. And Matthew makes it, you, you have to understand the way Matthew structured his gospel. There are five teaching blocks. We will go through them all this year and into next year. Have we got any people who walk up mountains and stuff here? Do you like hill walking? Do you know these wee little groups of stones, cairns, that, that can mark a way? People drop a stone so you don't lose your way off the path. And then when you get to the top of a mountain, quite often there's a big pile of stones, a big cairn. You've reached the top, you've reached the pinnacle. These are what these five teaching blocks are. I just want to, before we crack on with the, the passage itself, when, at the end of this passage we heard in verse 28, it said when Jesus had finished saying these things. Just a bit of a uh, forward look. The other teaching blocks in Matthew finish the same way. The next teaching block is uh, 10, which we're going to start next week, chapter 10. And in the very first verse of verse 11, it says, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples. Then the one after that, chapter 13, the next block, it finishes when Jesus had finished these parables. 
Chapter 18 finishes in verse 1 of chapter 19. When Jesus had finished saying these things. And then the last block, which is a, a bigger block. Chapter 23 to 25. When Jesus had finished saying all these things. All these things. That last one, when we get to it, it's everything Jesus has said. Not just in that block, all that Jesus has said. Everything is authoritative. All his teaching ministry. And he is saying that obedience to God is no longer obedience to the law of Moses and study the Old Testament, but is rather to hear Jesus and obey Jesus out of love for Yahweh the Father. The author of the Torah, in other words, is present there in the person of Jesus before the disciples in the flesh. Previously in Matthew, before we got to the Sermon on the Mount, we didn't cover it, but Jesus is revealed as king in chapters 1 and 2 of Matthew. He's revealed as the son of God in chapter 3 and the conqueror of Satan in chapter 4. And then we come to the Sermon on the Mount. Given by the real lawgiver. The one who fully reveals the mind of God and directs the life of his people. So the question for those who hear Jesus is this. Will you accept his authority? And so this section has four contrasts. It has the narrow and wide gates, true and false prophets, true and false disciples, wise and foolish builders. These short examples in, in a very quick space of time explain what the consequences of either following Jesus or not following Jesus what the consequences are. And they are really strong, quick warnings. The first one, make sure you get through the gate. It's not that wide, but get through it. Be focused. And the next one, watch out for those folks who might lead you off the narrow road. And don't think just because you're tagging along, just that you think you're part of the religious club, that you will get there in the end. Those first three comparisons are definitely to take in seriously. So briefly, the first one, the two gates and the two roads. Well, sometimes they're misconstrued. People think it's about you, you being on the right road, on the right path, will lead you to the right gate. So on the wide road, the one of worldly popular pastimes where there's no regard for Jesus, they lead to the wide gate or to live a good and chaste and pious life and all that stuff now leads to the narrow gate which will lead you into heaven. It doesn't say that. It doesn't. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. In other words, the gate comes first. The path doesn't lead you to the gate. The gate leads you onto the path. So will you enter the gate of, to life in the kingdom of heaven? It's through Jesus. That gate is Jesus. Or maybe so many of you already have entered through the gate of Jesus. Or if you haven't, if you're holding back, perhaps not sure, will you embark on a life to follow him now? 
or the gate of destruction, the gate that leads to the path. I mean, Jesus makes it clear it seems to be easier to navigate on the one because it seems more fun, more popular, more liberating. But actually, that wide road is a prison that leads to destructive life in this one and the next. Next, can you recognize in life those producing fruit, good fruit? This one talking about true prophets, not false ones. In our world, we have plenty of advisors in the world. Live this way, live that way, influencers on social media. There's plenty of places and people, but so much of them are full of darkness. And then there are those that appear to offer light, but it's false. They hype this or that which will make your life just so, but that's not where you end up finding peace. Is it not better to find the inner peace that transforms you, brings good fruit? And that inner peace isn't found in yourself, it's found when Jesus is in you. Or will you follow the prophetic voices, the false prophetic voices that will only end up in the fires of hell? Jesus says in 7 verse 16, it is by their fruit that you will recognize them. So how do you do that? When you look at people, do you, how do you judge? Will you ask the Lord? You seek guidance from the Holy Spirit. You get yourself plugged into the Word of God, into the Scriptures. And then by doing that, you start to recognize those who are positive in a most Christian way for your life, rather than those who are destructive. And then what we have following on from the false and true prophets Jesus talks about true and false disciples. Harsh. Which are you? Will you obey the Father's will and come to Jesus as your only Lord? For that's what he's asking. Harsh. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a harsh word to the church. Surely everyone who comes to church knows Jesus. Yet I believe, and more importantly, it's not about my belief, it's about Jesus. Jesus says there are those who appear to be part of the church and follow the Lord, yet he knows some will chase after false manifestations of spirituality that actually result in eternal banishment. I never knew you away from you, me, Away from me, you evildoers. These two sayings, these two together, the true and false prophets and the true and false disciples, together get to the heart of what following Jesus is about. Fruit. Bearing fruit. Look at those leading you. Me. All the preachers here. The leadership team. Look at us. Are we bearing fruit? Are we showing good fruit in our lives? Tom Wright, the the theologian, writes in his commentary, he says, think of it like a tree. Can you see healthy, tasty fruit on the tree? Fruit that will nourish. 
In other words, can you see other people being genuinely nourished by their fruit that they are giving out in their lives? Or in fact, are they actually producing a crop of lies, immorality, and greed? But it's not just looking at the leaders in the church and going, oh, I'm not sure that they're living the right way or producing the fruit. David last week talked about the plank in our own eyes. So the same goes for you. Are you producing good fruit? For if you are a disciple of Jesus, you both learn from those who will teach you, and those teachers should be evidencing the fruit of following Jesus. But you, as Christians, go out into the world also. Others look at you. So in other words, ensure those that learn from you see the fruitfulness in you. Ensure those you learn from are fruitful in Jesus, fruitful for the kingdom, and ensure that you are living in also being faithful to Jesus and fruitful too. Fruitfulness in a Christian, though, is not simply showy. It's not showing off. It's because that's the warning about the false prophets. False prophets can display or produce displays of apparent spiritual power. What matters more is something more deeply personal. Pointing the way to Jesus deeply, honestly, and personally. Because that's what Jesus says is judged. It's the personal. It's not the outward displays. And yes, Jesus does warn about divine judgment. He's saying some may have done remarkable things in the name of Jesus, but he makes clear that they may do so without really having known him deeply, personally. The deeds, mighty or otherwise, folks carry out are not the final indication of whether someone has a relationship with him. We know this from the thief on the cross. We don't know a lot about him, but we know he's a thief and he's being crucified for it. We assume he was, in those times, he wasn't a good man. Yet in recognizing Jesus, he finds salvation. So what really counts is knowing Jesus personally, or should I say being known by him. The thief was known by him. He revealed himself to Jesus. He, he, he recognized who Jesus was, and Jesus knew him. So what does that mean, being known by him? Well, the concluding part is this famous, you know, it's sung in Sunday school, the story of the wise and foolish builders. It's all about foundations. This week I was watching an ep a new episode, not, a, not one of the many reruns of Grand Designs. I love Grand Designs. And there was a, a woman building a house at the, at the end of the house she owned, and it was a tiny triangular strip. It was this quirky house, and uh, they've always got a tight budget, and so they bought in the piles, to the machine to dig the, dig the holes. They were going to put piles in 10 meters down, and it all was going well. The auger was going, it was coming. And then they bought up sand. It, it basically meant they couldn't just pour concrete, they were going to have to reinforce it. And it was going to cost more, take longer, ruin a budget. But she spent the money. 
She spent the time because she wanted to ensure this new house she was building was going to be built on good, solid foundations. She wasn't cutting corners. And Jesus is saying, what kind of bedrock are you building your life upon? Is your time and investment given to building on solid foundations? So I ask all of you here, if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, is your life built on the Word of God? The book on which Martin Luther would place his hand, figuratively speaking. Because that's where he got his authority to teach from. It's where I get my authority to teach from. It's why I spend time, considerable amount of time of my week, praying, investing in reading God's Word so I can bring the message to you. Are you doing that for yourself? How's your relationship with Jesus, with God through prayer? Are you inviting Holy Spirit in to guide your thoughts? And if today you're not a follower of Jesus, I humbly ask, have you understood this message of the two different ways, the two gates, the two, narrow, the two roads, those you can listen to or not listen to, prophets, true prophets or false ones? Of course, many will say there are good folk out there, of all stripes, religious or not. And that's, I, I get that. They're good judged by human standards. Because we all like to think we're good. We often measure our goodness by people who are doing worse things than us. I don't go carjacking, so I'm a better person than the one who does. I don't come tumbling out of the pub on a Friday or a club on a Saturday night drunk. I used to, but I don't anymore, so I'm better than those people who still do that. We all like to think we're good. But that idea of goodness comes from the idea that humans are intrinsically good. But that isn't the Christian message. That's not what the Christian message says. That's not what the doctrines we find in Jesus say. They say we're inherently sinful. Full stop. Humans are inherently sinful, full stop. But do you know the good news? The full stop gets changed to a comma by Jesus. Through Jesus' sacrifice, he removes the full stop, places a comma and says, the sentence can carry on. You might struggle with sin, but I've got the answer. He sacrificed himself that all who know him are made clean and forgiven every day. So will you build your life on Jesus? Solid. Will he be your solid rock? Or will the pleasant ease of life, you know, on that wide road, cause you to be unprepared for the storms of life? As I look out at your faces, I'm sure some of you, all of you, no, I'll say all of you, I'll be confident in my words, all of you have faced some trials in life, old and young, all of you. And I hate to say you might face some more. If you're not rooted in Jesus, then whatever comes your way in the storms of life will ultimately wash you away into the desolation of the afterlife. And there we are, the Sermon on the Mount, finished. 
When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. He finished saying these things. I mean, do you know that seems almost so innocuous? You know, he finished saying these things. Do you go away from here on Sunday? Ah, Michael's finished saying these things. But these things of Jesus in here aren't just these things, they're gold dust. Valuable words of life. That is why the crowds were so amazed. They'd heard nothing like it, not from the usual rabbis and teachers of the law in their synagogues. Jesus was radical. And there would be so much more to come. And next week, we, as I said, we'll start the next teaching block over five weeks, a much shorter uh, block this time, one chapter, chapter 10, where Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples before sending them on mission. But as we finish today, I just want to leave you with this thought. And before next week, I end up back down in my usual place on the chancel and not in the pulpit. What gate have you entered through? What road are you traveling on? Is it the wide road allowing all the ways of the world and plenty of space to keep away from Jesus? You know, when the roads are really narrow or wide, go on a motorway. There's plenty of space. You can get by other cars. The wide road of life enables you to skirt around Jesus. But the narrow way, you know, like some of those single-track roads in Scotland, they keep you very close to the oncoming traffic. They might be a little harder to stay on those narrow roads, but these narrow roads in life, if you stay on them, they enable you to stay closer to Jesus. So I pray this week you will all seek Jesus, know him, and be on the road with him. That you will look out for those who are sowing and bearing good fruit in your life. And you will ask of yourself, what fruit am I bearing to feed those with whom I come into contact? And I'll just say this. Sometimes Jesus' messages in Scripture are direct and hard. And although I am not an old-style hellfire and damnation preacher. I'm not. I would also not shy away from the truth of Jesus' words in Scripture. Because like Martin Luther, John Knox, the Reformers, my responsibility in ministry and leadership of the church is to consider eternal responsibilities beyond this life and ask you, have you considered them? As Jesus asked, I must ask, are you with Jesus or against him? Are you clear about the consequences either way, the narrow or the wide way, the consequences for this life and the next? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday podcast from our team at GMC Dunfermline, Scotland. If you'd like more details about who we are, 
what we believe and how we serve, then visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook or look back at some of our videos on our YouTube channel. Just search for Gillespie Memorial Church. All inquiries can be made through the contact us page on our website by calling the office. If you'd like to support our work with a financial donation, then offerings can be made by clicking the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production of GMC, including the pastors and the tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Barbara Ann Hoey, and the soundtrack is Up to the Mood by Low Tree. Thank you for listening, and God bless.